Welcome to Let's Talk Shop, a podcast filled with business stories and practical advice for the product-based entrepreneur. My name is Therese and I help small business owners grow their wholesale. I hope that the stories and advice shared on this podcast will inspire action and help you build your business. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 6. Hello and welcome! This is Episode 6 and it's also the final episode of the year of Let's Talk Shop. Season 2 will be taking a little break and we will be back on the 6th of January 2020. Now, December is probably the busiest time of the year for you guys, which means it's probably one of the quieter times for me. Although it hasn't actually been that quiet, so I'm a little bit behind, but who isn't in December? I am really excited to say that the first thing I will be launching or reopening the enrollment for is my group training program called Fast Track to Wholesale. It's 12 weeks that will get you started with your wholesale. So if that is your goal for 2020, this might be for you. And I will be releasing early bird slots um, between Christmas and New Year's. And then you will have a couple of weeks in January before we get started. So if wholesale is something that is on your agenda for 2020, look out for that or drop me a little email or DM and I will make sure to let you know once I open it up. I am also taking bookings for 2020 now. I do have a few sessions left this year that I'm doing. I am mainly focusing on booking January and February. So if you want to work together in the new year, do let me know. We can book in a discovery call. If you want to make a commitment to yourself to grow your wholesale for 2020 but you're not quite sure where to start or you want to put that element of accountability in there then booking now for the new year might be a good way of doing that. This week on the podcast I'm speaking to Kira from Mama Designs. Kira started her business when she had a very young baby. She had been made redundant whilst on maternity leave and she really didn't want to go back to work. And she started a business and grew it and it's been going for over 10 years. And all while raising a family, she just had a, another baby recently. So we talked a lot about growing her business about how important it is to be persistent and keep going with your wholesale because eventually someone will say yes. We also talked about third-party warehousing and fulfillment centers and how that can free you up to work on your business rather than in your business and of course lots and lots more including trade shows and selling to your dream stockist. I really hope that you enjoy this episode Hello, Kira. Thank you so much and welcome to Let's Talk Shop. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're here. I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself and Mama Designs. Okay. So I um, launched Mama Designs 11 years ago. I was on um, maternity leave. Well, I'd just been made redundant from my uh, previous role during my maternity. And my baby was very little and I've been I've been really nervous kind of breastfeeding in public I started to think about how I how I could not go back to work what what solutions I could come up with to to 
to work for myself. I came up with an idea for a discreet breastfeeding cover and decided to use my redundancy money to um, to launch it. So that was 11 years ago and the first my first product which was called Mama Scar and, and that's how it all started. And how how old was your baby then? So I started I think probably when he was about eight months. I actually had to go back to work to a new job get a new job so um, at that point I, he was 13 months and I'd already sort of started the process for behind the scenes not not properly looked and then so I had a full-time job that I really didn't want to be <laughs> I hated it I had my baby and I was doing mama designs in the evening and that was yeah I did I worked there for eight months full-time while I was setting it up and then and then I got a load of publicity and it all kind of went a bit mad and I was able to uh, leave my job which was amazing that that was must have felt like almost like a relief I guess oh, it was such a relief yes I really didn't I we weren't in a position where I was able to stop work and I just but I was just just so desperately unhappy and it, it just it was it was so good on so many levels to leave you know for the business and for home life as well and what were you actually doing what was your job before you you started your own business so I, I had various roles in customer marketing um for large companies I worked for a soft drinks company which was the one I was made redundant from and then after after that the new job I got was um a sort of beauty and health company but both very large companies so a million miles away from (laughs) what I've ended up doing (laughs) yeah but at least if you had a little bit of a marketing background it might have helped you grow your business I well it wasn't really brand marketing it was kind of it was more um it was more the sales side of things customer marketing so it 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 wasn't that um connected really but yeah I guess sort of close so what was the biggest challenge with starting your business and growing it because you've been going you're pretty established by now well I guess yeah I think probably the biggest thing was that I just I didn't have a clue what I was doing about anything from having you know I I couldn't sew so it wasn't even as if I was able to make the products myself I had no experience in where I needed to go to source things where I needed to you know how I designed a website none of it I, I knew absolutely nothing I think there was a lot less resources around then than there are now and it was much less common to start your own business in that position so I think that was quite a big challenge really having to I mean I made a lot of mistakes as I went along um I'm just trying to sort of feel my way and find find out what I could from where I could really yeah I bet it was a challenge because now there's so many membership groups and community groups and and almost more resources than one can need sometimes totally totally. and I think people seeing other people doing it now it gives them you know it gives them confidence to think well maybe I can do it but back then it wasn't really like that so I think my friends and family thought I was a bit mad and that it probably wouldn't work and they sort of smiled at me (laughs) this crazy idea for a breastfeeding cover but you know yeah did you know anyone else that had a business well I think this is actually quite key in me doing it I um I was introduced to a friend of a friend and she had launched a product a maternity product so I had a conversation with her on the phone and we'd never met before and she said to me how would you feel if you don't do this and then somebody else does and I just thought at that moment I can't let that happen I've got to, I've just got to I've got to give this a try um I think that was sort of that was key in me do, in me giving it a go and putting everything into it. Oh, that's amazing, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, because we we it's hard when you don't have a network no, of other is. people it's running their own business because it can be lonely, can't it? Yeah, it can be really lonely, and I think 
it's also it's really difficult for I mean friends and family however supportive they are if they if it's not what they're used to then they are going to be nervous about you giving up work or you know putting money into it or anything like that so it, it is really good if you can have a network of people who who understand what you're doing yeah and in the beginning how did you sell in the beginning did you have your own website yeah. or what how did you so I um I went to a baby the, the same lady who'd helped who'd, who'd given me the advice um she had a son at a baby show and she said that if I went and helped her for a day <laughs> I could go and give out some leaflets and sort of gauge some opinion so I sort of said to myself right I'm going to I'm going to have I'm going to get some products made up for, for that time and, and have and have a website almost go live so I got that all done I had a friend one of my friends husband I was a web designer so he did me a website really cheaply and I went to that show with my little poster and a demonstration um, a sample to demonstrate with I got some really great feedback and I from then on I started selling on on, on the website and obviously I've got a few um, emails from the from the show of people to be uh, made aware when the, when it came into into stock so that was sort of how it started there and from then on I got a few wholesale customers and sort of the ball started rolling I got some publicity and it went on from there that's so exciting do you remember who was your first stock yes guest? I do <laughs> it was an online um baby shower company and I remember having a conversation Ooh. with the lady and I was sat in my car because uh, I was still at work at that point and she was asking me about margin and I was just clueless to be honest it's still not my strong point now but I just remember saying to her I'm really sorry I've not done this before can you just can you explain to me can you explain it all to me and she was really lovely she explained it all to me and um yeah and went from there and then she placed an order so but she was really sort of you know she was really fine about me not not understanding and I've always kind of used that as I've gone on if I don't understand something that a buyer's saying especially with bigger buyers who can kind of blind you with you know all their terminology I've really I've just been really open and said I'm sorry I haven't done you know I'm not familiar with that please can you explain and they're all fine (laughs) yeah people are just so happy to help if you say if you're up front what they hate most if you leave that meeting or you leave that conversation and you don't ask those questions and then three weeks later you're like actually I don't know what that means yeah Yeah, I think so and they understand that you know if you're a small business you're not always necessarily dealing with bigger buyers you, you wouldn't understand the terms that they use on a daily basis mm, absolutely and, and it, there's so many and sometimes they mean different things yeah. using the same term and different companies can have their own different ways of doing things so it can be completely different in one to another yeah I think asking lots of questions is the only way you can make sure that you you can provide really good service yeah yeah definitely so at what what stage did you kind of go oh well I have a few stockists now now I should probably grow that part of my business did you well I kind of went I went crazy on getting stockists in the early days really because I I thought to myself I've got one product it's not really you know that I'm sort of limited as to how many I can sell direct so I thought Mm. I was limited budget so I thought getting as many stockists as I could was going to be my um was, was going to be my key and I, I remember at one point I had about 100 independent stockists yeah. within the first couple of years and you know now most of those stockists don't even exist they were mostly online yeah but that that first few years I really I kind of really worked hard on that um and we also had a major as well we've got we got we got into Tesco direct within the first few years 
which sounds amazing, but actually it wasn't as wonderful as it as it sounds because it probably wasn't. The buyer was really keen because she'd um, she'd heard of Mammoth Scarf and she liked them. She liked mm. the idea, um, but it probably wasn't the right pro- product for them. Yeah. So they didn't sell a great deal, but it, in spite of that, they kept it in for, like, for about five years, which amazed oh, wow. me because they hardly sold any. <laughs> You know, it was just sat there, really. Yeah, <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that really taught you that it's the right f- type of customer that will... Yes, that, yes, and it's more important having exactly having the right type of customer. Yeah, totally. Sometimes I find a good independent can sell more than some yes. of the bigger shops. Yeah, totally, totally. If and they display really it. Independence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and did you find that scary? How did you find that whole process of actually reaching out to stockists and stuff? How did you... um, so I was, I think once once I started doing it and got a positive response, I, I was on a roll then and I just carried on and, and would always set myself targets and just kept going with it and researching lots of, um, lots of retailers to contact. So I was quite happy to kind of just reach out to them either by email. Yeah, I think mostly by email, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started doing some trade shows as well, um, which is that's 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 been a great way really for me. Once I had more products as well, I started doing the trade shows because demonstrating them, having them see and feel the product and know that it's good quality mm. made quite a lot of difference, really. I guess with baby products, it's quite important that you touch them. Yeah, well, I think way. as well. I can always send a sample, you know, I could always send a sample to a buyer, but if yeah. it was a small independent, I didn't want to be sending samples out left, right and centre. So no, yeah, to be able to reach a large audience at one show would be great. And what trade shows have you done? Oh, <laughs> I've done loads. Um, so I used to always do Harrogate Nursery Fair, which I haven't done for quite a while, but a while, and it's not really the same as it used to be. It used to be a really successful show and it's like the key show for the nursery industry, but it, it's... It's a lot smaller now. I think there's talk that it might not carry on. Um, but I used to do that. I used to do, um, I've done Bubble a few times, which again, that's now changed. It was in London. That's, that's, that. I think they, it was bought out and then it kind of changed and it became more children's wear than the baby thing. Baby yeah. And I've done Kinderjürgens in, um, in Germany in Cologne, which I've done quite a lot, quite a few times. That's great for international buyers and distributors but also a lot of British buyers go there as well so, oh that's good um, but it's a long show and it's a you know it's a big investment so you have to kind of be really sure to go if you want to go there yeah it is a, I guess there's no point of going there until you can actually you have the you know the capital so kind of produce enough to have distributors in certain countries and stuff yeah really you want to either get agents or distributors in other countries maybe if you go to a show like that yeah definitely definitely and it's it's such a big investment and time and but it's probably worth visiting the show first and seeing getting a feel for it and seeing whether it's going to be right for you whether you know whether you're prepared to to make that investment yeah and do you go to gift shows as well now when you know what I haven't typically the gift shows are quite expensive to exhibit at and although I could have done in terms of the products working there I felt that if I had limited budgets for shows I was going to focus on the ones that were most relevant yeah, because I'm guessing you are supplying lots of independent gift shops and lifestyle shops now. A few, not that many actually. Okay. Um, and and yes, maybe 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 it could be more if I if I'd kind of gone down that route of of exhibiting at more of those shows. But yeah, sort of funds have been limited for 
in terms of the, the number of shows we could do. So we did have to sort of pick and choose the ones that we felt were going to bring the biggest return. Yeah, of course. And what? how do you deal with your wholesale now? Do you have, what's your setup? Do you have help in your business? What? Well, so within the business full stop, there's three of us. I did, I've previously had um, somebody doing freelance sales for, for retailers, um, but that was, we don't do that anymore. I kind of manage it myself. We we have also over the years had distributors in the UK, um, which again we don't we don't anymore. Um, we just handle it all direct. So yeah, we've kind of we've tried each different <laughs> each different method. Um, and you know they each can can be good at certain times, but at the moment this this is working for us, just handling it all in house. I quite like handling things in house in the sense where you get to know your stockist, you get to know what works, you get to build those relationships. It's a different dynamic. Yeah, I think definitely. Which is nice and it's also what's I think it's really enjoyable. Yeah, no, it is. And we have we do know we know, we know lots of them really well, so it is it does make it easier. And how do you deal with international sales then? Do you do that differently? No, so again the same really. Um so we've got distributors in some countries. Um some countries we sell direct to retailers over there, some countries we just sell direct from our website to to shoppers. Um so yeah, a combination really, but I do I've always looked after the international um, we had a little bit of help at one point, but we were just kind of sort of dipping our toe in with that and seeing how it would work. But at the moment, we don't, you know, it doesn't take up a huge chunk of, of time. So it's been easier to manage it in-house. Yeah, especially if you if you have a few distributors, at least in that country, there's one point of contact rather than lots of yeah. points of contact. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How did you first get a, your first distributor and or your first international customer? So the f- first international distributor, oh goodness me, I'm trying to think who it was. I think it must have been from a, the first German show I did. Mm. And I can't, I, I, I can't <laughs> tell, me who, tell you who it was. That's awful, is it? I should know, but um, I can't think. No, it, it's hard <laughs> to remember. Like, I feel like trade shows fade into what? after a while <laughs> yeah they do they do I think we first started selling to Ireland which is obviously an easy one yeah oh, we, we had some French actually we had some French retailers that might have come before before doing the German show but yeah I think probably most of them have come from 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 doing the overseas shows so what's your biggest market apart from the UK oh um at the moment because it does change I would say France at the moment. Interesting. Like, I, I guess it just goes up and down, but it is interesting to hear what, what works for people. I think a lot of it does depend on who who you have working in that country, who's who's selling. And we had, um, we've actually, we don't sell to a distributor in France. We've just got a few really good um, retailers. Yeah. And one of the retailers got us featured on a uh, French TV programme Oh, um, where which was like their it's like a midwife recommends type program, and after that they just yeah it really made a difference to sales because it it's like their seal of approval. Um, so yeah, that's it. It's been since then really sales in France have done so well. That's amazing. It's like any sort of PR and things. Do you, does that have a big effect on your sales? So. I feel like PR's really changed in the time that I've been in business. And mm. and at the beginning, I had I, I worked really hard on my PR, and I had I had, had a few 
big things happen. One of which was I, I sold my story to a press agency who, who, who I, when I say sold it, not for any money, I, I gave my story to a press, my startup story to a press agency and they, they give, sell stories to the national retailers. And in the same day, it must have been a quiet news day because <laughs> in four national newspapers, they covered the story about um, my breastfeeding cover. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So that was quite a, that was quite early on. That was while I was still being at my, at my old job. And I remember um, it, it happened and I was, I, I was seeing these emails coming in. I was on my lunch break. I've seen these emails coming in. Like, oh my God. And then I got, <laughs> I had a call from a radio station and then I had an email from this morning and I was invited. They wanted to demonstrate my product. And, and I said, can I come on and demonstrate it? And they said, yeah, of course you can. So they let me, so I went on to this morning and that was actually a really quite a big, a big thing in terms of the number of sales that came in. As, as well. Yeah, amazing. But now I think, you know, um, even if we have any coverage in a magazine or um, a newspaper, I think much less, it, it has much of a smaller impact. I think now people are more likely to look at influencers and you can have a good bit of coverage from an influencer and that might actually deliver a lot onward. Yeah, that's true. Do you work a lot with influencers? Yeah, we do quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Not on a paid basis, always on an unpaid basis, but we do have quite a few that we that we, that we gift products to and, um, and get coverage in that way. I guess people are a bit more, they want a little bit more authentic cover, even though I guess with influencers sometimes it's not, that anymore but yeah <laughs> but I guess that's why people you yeah know, they trust so. their certain people yeah and I think I think it's just also the way things are now I think people don't people don't read magazines as much as they might have done I mean Instagram is almost a magazine in itself isn't it at times yeah you know, people, people will will look on there in, or shop on there or learn about things on there in the same way that they might have done they might have picked up a magazine 10 years ago so I, I do think it's that's kind of true changed. we used to I mean like when we when I was in my like I don't know teenage years you'd pick up like Cosmopolitan or Elle and look at the beauty section and you needed to have all those products yeah because totally. they were recommended I, by them yeah and baby the same with baby so in the time that I've been in business so in the 11 years yeah the the a lot of the baby magazines have, have disappeared completely and they used to be the things that if you've got a piece of coverage in there that was amazing but then they started to sort of dwindle dwindle out and then now you know most of them most of them aren't in existence there might be a few of them that are online but I, yeah I think influencer marketing has really kind of taken a big chunk of that, of that yeah and how how often do you launch new products now and that sort of thing do you know what it it really really varies um so sometimes it can be I think in the last 12 months we have had quite a lot of launches I'm trying to work out actually how many um but there's no real there's no real thing sometimes it's just as simple as we realize we could do something quite you know change a, a new color or you know or tweak something slightly um and sometimes it's something completely brand new but often it's budget related as to whether how much new stuff to do I, I, I'd much I'd love to do you know a lot more than we actually do but the reality is we are a small business you know we don't have any outside funding so we have to sort of do it with our means so it means that we don't have like new colors or, or change things but you know in the last I don't know we, we've launched quite a bit of new stuff this year and partly <laughs> It was partly because I knew I wanted to use some of the products for Daisy, my baby. 
So I knew, uh, I thought I'd get it to the baby bundler, which is like um, it's like a kind of nighty that has a piece of elastic at the bottom that can do walk up there. Uh, onwards and it's really easy for changing nappies in the night I knew that I wanted to create one of those and I knew exactly how I wanted it to look and, and I wanted to be able to use it so I did it in time for, for uh, my baby arriving <laughs> well that's the perfect time to do it and you have a exactly. model too I do have a model so yeah my Instagram is total baby spam at the moment because I yeah I've got a model on tap but actually it's, I've noticed made a real difference because people seem to really well um, obviously I've become my target audience again yeah um, and I've got something in common with everybody and yeah it just seems to have made a difference to sales of of the product sharing her in yeah and I'm guessing engagement too because you're in the same exactly the same position as your customer yeah and I'll ask them questions about sleep and you know and we'll discuss things like that online so it it is yeah it's definitely it's been really good. So you're just going to have to have a baby every two years. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. This is number three and I'm, yeah, I'm in my 40s now, so I think that's it. <laughs> oh, well, maybe someone else in the office can be. <laughs> How do you keep in touch with your stockists and kind of build your relationship with them? Um, so it's it's mostly email, to be honest. Occasionally, with a couple of them, I'll speak to them on the phone, but mostly it's email. I think that just seems to be how everybody operates. But I have, I've, I've probably all the key ones I've met. Mm. But it was, it would always surprise me with the bigger retailers. They'd never want to meet in person. It was always we're happy to do things by email because they just the time was so precious. Yeah, they'd meet the customers who or the suppliers who had lots and lots of products. Yeah, or they'd meet the distributor on behalf of you know ten brands. But they, they, they weren't interested in seeing people face to face. Unless it was at a show. Yeah. So, yeah, email really is how it works. Yeah, I think it's it's tough to get a meeting with a big retailer if you have one type of product because they could easily yeah. just, through phone call and an email, sort everything they need. Whereas if you have a range, I used to sell books and, you know, then you have, oh, yeah. you know, hundreds of books each season. That's different. Yeah. And what, what sort of... um advice would you give to someone that is just starting out with a wholesale and selling to shops or their business I guess what I did was um, I did a lot of research into the shops that I was interested in in selling I I had a look at other brands and who they were selling to um, which can be as simple as having a look at other people's stockist lists Mm -hmm. and getting ideas yeah (laughs) I I just found out who the best stockists were I asked questions of other people my friends in business I think uh, don't be afraid to contact people, even just casually contact people on social media if you're interested in um, them stocking, because I've got a lot of stockists that, that way. It's absolutely fine. And I think if you've got some nice images on your social media, it's a great way for them to just see who you are straight away. Whereas an email is a bit, you know, that they don't have to go and visit your website or um, look at attachments. But if they're if you've sent them an email, a message on social media, they can just look at who you are straight away and get a feel for you. I absolutely think that sometimes, you know, if you have your Instagram handle in your signature to and you do email someone, people are more likely to look at your Instagram first than open yeah, an attachment, I think. So, yeah. I always mention my Instagram. I mention the number of followers if I'm contacting a new retailer because I think I think that does have a make a big difference and that they you know they want to know that 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 if you've got beautiful images because that that's what you're going to be sharing with them and that they're going to share with their customers. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess 
I think we said in a different episode, or if I was on someone's podcast, like your Instagram feed, even though it's not essential to your wholesale, it can definitely aid it. So it's like your shop window, if you will. Totally. And another thing that I would say is that um, in terms of your wish list and who you might want to be selling to, it, it might not happen straight away. For years, John Lewis was my where I, you know, that was where I wanted to get into, mm. and um, and I, you know, I had I had quite a few no's or quite a few things ignored um, at first, but I didn't give up. I carried on, yeah, <laughs> carried on finishing at shows, carried on emailing, and you know what? Eventually, um, it worked, and that, and I did get in there. Buyers will change, or they'll, or it might not be that they don't like your product. It might just be that it's not right for them at that time. So I would say, do persevere. If you really think something, if you really think something is right for somebody or for a store, it is worth, you know, keeping trying. Yeah. How long do you think it took you to get into Look John Lewis? Oh, I don't know. Um, at least two years. And how many times do you think you reached out to them? Like, you, oh, you obviously won't know this, but how often do you um, think? So I've definitely seen them at a few shows. Maybe I've reached out five times. It does take a long, long time sometimes. Like, I've taken years to get into places. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's catching catching someone at the right just at the right time it might just be that it might not even be that they're not interested but if you hit somebody at the wrong time with something yeah it's you know potentially always going to be a no it's budget it's like whatever else they have going on what others what what their existing suppliers are doing as well because yeah totally i mean they have to prioritize them because they you know we kind of all want that loyalty when we supply someone so it's only fair they do the same for other people yeah yeah exactly so john lewis was on your kind of dream stockist list who yeah, else was on was. your dream stockist list um mother care yeah so same with them we got into mother care um eventually unfortunately we all know what's happened to mother yeah. care recently which is which is a real shame uh so mamas and papas we were the same with them we were in there and we aren't anymore so some of it has been a bit of a journey really but actually I think do you know what I can honestly say I think some of our really good quality independents make me a lot happier than those majors did yeah (laughs) they're easier to deliver to they're easier to deal with and you make and you make more money from them because the the majors will squeeze for every penny yeah you know at least you make a decent margin on your independence as well as they are making what they need you know but everyone can make what they need when dealing with independence more than with nationals i suppose yeah exactly yeah how often do you do you do trade shows now since i've been was pregnant and then had Daisy. she's now five months i haven't haven't done anything so it's been a while and it's quite nice to have a little break actually yeah yeah I'm not sure some of our products we've actually changed the pricing structure on because the uh we had our factory price go up and it meant that a few items we weren't able to sell to trade anymore so we've kind of that's kind of made me think you know think twice maybe about doing any shows in the in the near future well yeah have you had any maternity leave um <laughs> <laughs> I had the reality is I kept up my social media all the way through, which is probably a big chunk of what I do because I thought felt that it was so relevant and I, so I didn't want relevant. to do that. Yeah. And also did you find that you got a lot of support from people that you did talk to? Yeah. There? Yeah, and it was really nice. It was it, and I and I liked documenting it and it was you know, and I was using my products of course, so you know, it, it made total sense. Yeah. Everything else I kind of I probably had maybe a couple of months where I did very little else and now I'm kind of having to well I I, I don't have a child there 
So I'm just kind of starting to, to juggle it all really around that time. You have three kids <laughs> and no yeah. childcare and a business. Yeah. <laughs> and coming Although up to the Christmas. Two, the old two are 12 and 9, so they're very oh, careful okay. when, they're, when, they're, yeah, when they're not at school. But yeah, the daytimes, it, you know, it, it's meant that I have to work really smart and when I when I do work, uh, which is during natural times, and you know, any any time I can grab some help, yeah, I take it. But yeah, it's quite different. <laughs> it's busy. <laughs> but then, when you started your business, you you had two young kids quite quickly. So yeah, yeah. So I had Sam already when I started, and then I, I yeah, I did the same when I had Lily. So Lily was three years after Sam. But at that point, we didn't have um, we didn't have a warehouse that we used, so it was literally post office orders every day. Yeah. So it was busy in its own way, but in a different way. And I didn't have any staff then. Oh, so, so you did everything and the packing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you use the fulfillment centre now? Or... Yeah. So we've got a third party warehouse. They they do all our warehousing and fulfillment. Yeah, and that's so great because it just means that however busy or not we are, they will you know they'll they'll always be there to sort of manage it yeah and scale up or down as and when we need well when did you implement that um i think probably after about four years three or oh, no, three, three, yeah about three or four years yeah and i think people are sometimes a bit scared of, of doing it and think that they'd have to be sending a huge amount out but the reality is there are some warehouses that will support smaller businesses and Yes, it's a cost, but the reality is, if that's money, if that's time that you were, you know, if that was taking up all of your time, you can actually spend more time sort of growing your business rather than, you know, working on your business instead of in it. Yeah. Um, because anyone can pack an order and take it to the post office, but not anyone can, you know, can decide where you're going to grow your business and, and, and grow it. Yeah. And how did you find that process of setting it up and finding a warehouse? Did you, was that a challenge or? Um, we, I think somebody had been around to um, a show and spoke to a few um, a few of my friends in business uh, as well as me. So we, we sort of knew of this person mm. and um, a few of us sort of took the plunge at the same time, which oh, made nice. it feel a bit easier. It's actually a different warehouse to where we are now. Yeah. Um, yeah, that kind of made it feel a bit easier. But I think often, even though it is a cost, the reality is they get better postal rates. It, it also it frees up your home from stuff. It also lead times. And, yeah, yeah, and and working over Christmas and holidays and things like that. And yeah, you could actually be taking holiday without closing your yeah. online shop. Totally, totally. <laughs> if you have a fulfillment center, exactly. Which I I think at one stage either you have to hire people to run your kind of warehouse side or you have to outsource it. Yeah, and we did think. I mean, we had um we had some problems with the warehouse we were in last about yeah about eighteen months ago two years ago and to the point of it, it, it i won't go into the details but it was bad and we had to move and we had to move quite quickly um when we made some discoveries um yeah and, um we then thought i thought is this a sign do we need to just do this ourselves and we did go and look mm. at i looked at a site and i thought about um because we all work remotely at home at the moment and i thought oh, we could have an office in there and i, I really did consider it but then in the end, I really thought about it and I thought, I don't want to be a, a warehouse manager. Yeah. I don't want to 
I don't want to have to go into somewhere to open up every day. I want to be able to work from home. I want the flexibility of working in my pajamas if I want to. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. You know, or having the children around me or anything else. If, you know, if I'd taken that warehouse on, then somebody would have to be there now to manage it. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm so glad we didn't go down that route and uh, decided it wasn't right for us at all. I think it's so like individual, depending on your product too. Because some people have more personalization and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. If you have something like that, I guess you 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 want to be sort of there doing it yourself, or you'd have to be. But yeah, for us, it's quite easy. It's quite easy for it to be done um, how it is yeah. done at the moment. So it just makes it makes total sense. Yeah. And how did you find like like when you decided to move? How did you find a new distribution? Well, I just I just did a big search. So one of the things that the place we moved from was quite far away and and when we do baby shows like consumer shows yeah we would have to go and get a van drive there fill it up and um, or we would ship pallets down which is quite expensive and we realized that actually there would be huge benefits to having somewhere that was nearby and in the same city really so um and uh, we're based in birmingham so i just did i did a, i did a search uh of the west midlands and then went and visited a few places and and that's how we found them and there's lots of warehouses around Birmingham so. yeah well yeah and because it's because it's perfectly located really isn't it for the yeah the rest of the country so yeah there were there were yeah. quite a few but obviously not everybody not all of them are right for all, all businesses so we kind of just had to sort of go through the process of seeing um finding the right one and they are they also vastly vary in price and yes service exactly. levels yeah. and all this yeah. sort of thing yeah totally what's Next for you, right? I I saw notice you note uh, you launched Mama Design Business Club. Yeah, so that's been that's taken up a lot of my focus at the moment. <laughs> the baby, when when we hit ten years last November, I I just I realised I wanted to market somewhere. I'd already been doing um some mentoring of other small businesses, and I just I wanted to do something. A bit more I wasn't sure what that was at first I was thinking of writing a book because I already had a lot of the content kind of written out uh, but I decided that what I was going to do was create an online course in order to reach mm. as many other small businesses as possible because there's so much stuff that I was doing in my business to market it that was you know relatively low cost or free and I just thought that there was a lot of great things to share to share so I created the course while I was pregnant and um, that's called grow your business on a budget and then yes so the the business club is that that's part of it the course and there's going to there will be more courses and the other part of it is there's there will be events as well in 2020 so yeah. oh that's exciting yeah. what kind of events are you oh. going to do <laughs> I'm not uh, I, I I won't say at this stage but business events for, for for other small businesses just things things that I would love to attend myself things that will really inspire people um as well as hearing from other other great business owners people who've got great stories I also want to make it really practical so that people go away with you know knowing what to do and feeling inspired feeling inspired from listening to somebody but also knowing having the tools to go and do something great in their business that's great and are you going to do base that around where you are or is it going to be I I am I am I am I've I've traveled I've traveled to, um, to speak at events myself um, and often it's in London and then I'll travel to go and, and see events but I think there is a place to for, you know the, the, I've noticed there's more and more of these things popping up in all different 
places all over the country. But I think, yeah, I'm going to focus it in Birmingham and, and do it here. That sounds great. That's very exciting oh, then. Yeah. So you have a lot of planning to do for 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. And, in, it. <laughs> and in terms of mama designs, how what is next for that part of the business? Um, so we've got um, we've, we've we've started to bring a little bit of our manufacturer to the UK. It's baby steps because it's been quite hard finding. Um, we, we, we're not able to do it with everything. Um, just yeah. Because of costs, but we are bringing our blankets to the UK, which I'm really excited about. Um, we've already started that with the organic blanket that we launched that's made in the UK oh that's exciting yeah yeah I'm really excited by that so um yeah more more designs more colors yeah that's that's what's next for us and is that something you've been wanting to do for a while to, yeah to make more locally or more at home yeah yeah definitely definitely it's it's just it's just proved quite difficult really I think you, you know what your customer is prepared to pay and I just we weren't in a position previously where we could have put our prices up to that level of, of all of the other products but for the blankets we found a way to make it work um so that's yeah. great that's very exciting yeah. and how, how about uh-huh. christmas what, what, when are you the most busy do you know what it typically it's not the biggest i mean it, it yeah yes it is the biggest spike of the year but it's not the year is pretty um i mean there are always you know um peaks there's and always babies born <laughs> but exactly there are always babies born and people will all for their babies so in that respect it's our products aren't seasonal so it's you know quite a consistent year yeah Christmas is bigger but it's not it's not in the way that some that's great it's much more manageable that way I suppose because some people take 80% of their turnover in quarter four yeah oh god no it's nothing like that no and I've got friends with seasonal products who don't sell anything in the summer and then they have you know they work so hard in the run-up, you know, from yeah. September, October onwards till February, and then that's it. <laughs> and then they need to have a break for half a year. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so one thing that I always ask in the end is if you could share a, another business that it can be a brand, a maker, or a retailer that you admire and that you feel is doing something that inspires you. Oh, one of my favourite brands um, from Instagram, if you might know from Instagram, is Velveteen Babies. So I met Coral in person for the first time at a show. We'd arranged to meet because she makes the most beautiful, beautiful garlands for bedrooms or for anywhere in the house. But she hand makes everything and it's absolutely stunning. But she is the most amazing stylist. And um, she, every image, I mean, you see an image and you just know that it's hers. And she she works with lots of other uh, small businesses and, and styles all the products together and so when I get a picture with my products in and hers she just they're it's amazing she's she's so we've got loads of her products because I think they're so beautiful <laughs> that's great I will put links to her in the show notes as well and can you also share how people can find and connect with you because you now have yes, two yes. Instagrams don't you oh yeah <laughs> I do so mama designs is the is the main Instagram for the baby brand and mama designs business club is the um is the new one perfect and if they are if anyone listening are interested in their business the online course where can they find that all the links are in if you go to the links in the the bio of the of of either account or there's a a list of four links one of which is the 
one of which is the is a full course, one of which is a sample, a free sample of the course, which is an Instagram section. If you want to try it and sort of get feel for how it is, you can do that there. Perfect. I'll, I will put all the links in the show notes of that too. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time. I know that it's hard with a small baby. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you to Kiara for coming on the show. If you are enjoying Let's Talk Shop, I would love for you to share where you are tuning in. I would love to see where you are listening. If you have a moment, it would mean a lot to me if you would take some time to review the podcast over on iTunes. I'm really sorry about all the background noise in this introduction and this little message. My dog has decided to pick up his toys as he often does when I am recording something. So all the background noise is courtesy of him. Thank you so much for coming along on this journey and listening to season one and half of season two or just over half. I really look forward to 2020 and I hope you have a lovely Christmas and New Year's. Thank you so much.